2: Good Thursday afternoon. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Glad to be with you alongside Michael Borke. I'm Richard Cross. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. He didn't even notice. Didn't even notice. I just left his name out.
3: That's you,
1: Richard yeah. oh. you, Happy birthday, to you. happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday,
4: happy birthday, happy, birthday happy birthday, to you. happy birthday, to you. Happy
2: birthday to you. hey, 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 I started to go with Marilyn Monroe, but the audio quality wasn't very good, and so, you know, you're not exactly Mr. President, so we we just kind of left that one off to the side. Happy birthday, Brian Haydad! Thank you. Appreciate that. You didn't even think I would remember. I didn't think I would remember if we're being completely honest, and yet here we are. You
3: know what you didn't remember? To let the audience know yesterday that Thunder and Lightning was coming on after we got
2: wrapped up here. Yeah, I know. He he actually (laughs) sent me a message. It just said, Jerk
5: <laughs> look <laughs> to be completely truthful if you with had been you, looking at the monitor when you when you closed out, I was pointing at the monitor and laughing and doing this number right here because I, I knew I'd gotten you
2: you you did get me we um I had a a call with mercer's coaches like the second that the show ended last night, and so when we said goodbye, I was turning it off and trying to connect a zoom call and getting all of that together and it just slipped my mind. So uh my bad but happy birthday. That's high. Thank
5: you. Appreciate it.
2: Forty eight years old. Yeah. That's uh that's that's two score and eight years ago I believe.
5: It is that is correct. Yes.
2: Yeah, you you feel good today? Yes. I feel
5: fine. I feel really good.
2: Got that uh, Genteel talk quarter zip hoodie on, looking good, feeling like a baby's behind. I, want,
5: I wanted to wear this for one reason, to show that you can wear Genteel and you can still wear a uh, a Giants t-shirt underneath. So I can get best of both worlds there.
2: There you go. Hey, we're glad to be with you this afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort. Is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Check them out online at pearlriverresort.com. Also, you can join us in the Seaspire on the Seaspire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire business. Find out more about them online at Seaspire.com. If, um, if it's cold and gray where you are and you need to be transported to a place that looks warm and sunny, the Golf Channel is your spot. The Hero <laughs> World Challenge from the Bahamas, Albany, uh, is happening right now. And, look, there are only 20 golfers participating in the event, but one of those 20 golfers... Um, Goes by the name of Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods making his professional golf return today. Hey, look, he didn't post a great number. He, he shot uh, three over 75, but he looked pretty darn good doing it. Orky and I were talking before the show. We walked around pretty well, striped one right down the gut with what appeared to be a pretty easy, fluid golf swing off the, uh, off the first tee today. Man, it's good to see him on the golf course. You know.
3: Yeah. I, I read a column earlier that, uh, that made me think, and I liked that, because not, not every column makes me think anymore. We're, we're, the, the fine art of column writing is is really going away, and that's a shame, but it, it, it talked about how doesn't matter how well he plays anymore. He is vital to the future of the sport. His presence in the sport is going to help dictate its future. Because for all the talk about college football being ruined and then when the games come, it's still awesome. I mean, guys, the season's in effect over, the regular season. How great was this year? It was great. College football every weekend gave us something. I mean, it was awesome. Professional golf is hard to consume right now.
2: Yeah, Haydad's the one that always reminds us during college football that we we get to one of those weekends where it's like, eh, like it always delivers. It does. And it did. Mm-hmm. And it did. It,
3: you're
5: the only thing this the only thing this year was there weren't a ton of upsets this year. There weren't a ton of just no, ridiculous upsets. Mm-hmm. You're right. But, but the games we're themselves were fantastic. We're not, we're not done, done yet. yet. We're not done yet. There's still time. But you don't There's get one that. coming Saturday.
2: Yeah, maybe so. Indianapolis, Indiana, that's where we will go for an upset on Saturday. Oh, that would just be
5: good. Can I get it? Can I? When I blow out the candles on my birthday cake, that's the wish right there, that Michigan loses. Let's go Hawkeyes. Yeah. And I want them to lose like 10-7. I want the under to hit. I want it to be as ugly as possible.
2: A lot of happy birthday messages coming in on the uh, the C Spire text line uh, we get "Happy Birthday, Hey Dad!" Go Flashes! Is that your is that your alma mater?
5: It was a rough year. It is. That was a rough year for the, uh, the Flashes this year.
2: Jeff and Ponitok, forty-eight. Man, Hey Dad's just a puppy. And then there's this one that says he's almost half a century old.
5: Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Dwayne says yeah. that he thinks
2: that you still yeah. look thirty.
5: I wish I was thirty. Goodness!
2: You, you shave that beard, you look about four years younger. Get that baby I face would, going. I would. I yeah. would. Uh, all right. So championship Saturday is coming up. Oregon and Washington on Friday night. Round one between these two teams was epic. It yeah, had some it was. questionable-ish decisions. Especially in the first half. Less so in the second half, but, but definitely in the first half from Dan Lanning. It's um, easy to fault a coach for playing for
3: the win late in a game when it doesn't work. I hate that. Not kicking a field goal as the first half was expiring and going for it and not getting it was, in hindsight and foresight, a bad decision.
2: But yeah,
5: there are there are was
2: times when you just need to go get before. The
5: before, then and after, it was a bad decision.
2: Yeah yeah. but why so let's start
3: there. Why is it winning Oregon's in? Why is it winning they're in? The, the committee's tone the way they've talked if Oregon wins, they're in. but if Texas wins, they're not. Why? Why is Oregon winning they're in and Texas not? They will have the same records. Texas will have a better win.
5: You are, you are learning, I and mean, you, you sort of talked your way through it a little bit yesterday. The committee has an eye test. There yep. there is an eye test. There there is they are they, they can give you all these numbers and analytics and everything else they want. They're watching the games and they're trying to figure out who looks the best. Oregon is the best one loss team in the country, in my Didn't opinion. Texas just beat a conference team by 40 wait I, I points no, no. or whatever. I get it. I sympathize. I understand. Oregon's the best one loss. If you watch the games, Oregon is the best one loss team in the country. They've been brutalizing everybody they played since they lost to Washington, if they beat Washington this week, they're in.
2: All right, so so let's walk through... Let's start with Oregon's schedule. Let's walk through Oregon's schedule. They beat Portland State in the opener 81-7. Got the, got the stat machine rolling for Bo Nix early. They had a bit of a shootout on the road against Texas Tech in Week 2. Won that game 38-30. They smoked Hawaii 55-10. And then... They took the darlings of September to the woodshed. You remember that one? Colorado, it was 42 to 6 and really might not have been that close. They followed that up with a 42 to 6 road win against a bad Stanford team. They had the epic game, but lost nonetheless on the road to Washington 36 33. They bounced back with a win over Washington State. A two touchdown win over Washington State. And that was before Washington State completely crumbled. They beat Utah 35 to 6. And that was a Utah team that at the time was ranked 13th in the country. But if you look at the way Utah won in the first half of the year, it was it wasn't pretty. They were wins, and we all were doing the man, this Kyle Whittingham guy, he can coach. He can coach. He's somehow gotten them to, to this spot. And there was there was plenty of good there. But it was a Utah team that was playing without its starting quarterback and without its backup quarterback going into the year. And then they hung 63 on Cal. And then they, they won against Southern Cal. That was just very okay. Really good win at Arizona State. Beat them like a drum. And then they smoked Oregon State in the season finale 31-7. to It's a good resume. And if we're doing the eye test thing, hey, Dad, I kind of agree with you. I, I really do. They look like the best one-loss team in the country. But what about Texas? Let's look at Texas's resume. We'll do that coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Supertalk TV with you on Hey Dad's birthday in the Pearl River Resort studio.
1: Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Yes! Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Supertalk Mississippi.
2: Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. So we looked at Oregon's resume. Is Oregon the best one-loss team in the country? Here's Texas's resume. They opened the season with a four-touchdown win over Rice. They go to Tuscaloosa in Week 2 and win by double digits. 34-24 was the final. A three touchdown win over a Wyoming team that was playing pretty well at the beginning of the year. They beat the brakes off of Baylor, they smoke Kansas, then they lose to Oklahoma in Red River, thirty four thirty. And wasn't that didn't Oklahoma drive down and score on their final possession of the game? Thinking that's how I remember that, right? Yes.
5: Yeah. That is correct.
2: Then they have a one-score win over Houston. That one was a little squirrely. They got it done at the end, 31-24. They handily beat BYU. And then back-to-back weeks of kind of like, eh, field goal win, 33-30 over Kansas State. Kansas State, good football team. And then a 29 26 win at TCU. That's the one where you looked at it and you're like, Oh, what's going on? Then they come back and they beat Iowa State on the road and they beat Texas Tech by half a hundred. I mean, you're, you're kind of splitting hairs. Texas has three wins against teams that were, at the time, ranked in the top 25 and one loss. Those are Alabama, Kansas, Kansas State, and then the one loss is to Oklahoma. Oregon has three wins against teams that were ranked in the top 25 when they played them, Colorado, Utah, Oregon State, and they have one loss to what was then number 7, Washington. If Texas beats Oklahoma State, that would be a fourth top 25 win over an 18th-ranked Oklahoma State. If Oregon beats Washington, that would be a win over number three Washington. The resumes are close. They're actually really close. But I think the win over Washington at an I don't know. I mean, would, would the win over number 3 Washington at a neutral site, Trump a win over number 3 Alabama on the road? Uh, see?
3: See? I mean, th- this is so how like, stupid this is, and I'm so glad it's going away, yeah. but th- that phrase right there is what drives me nuts, I think. I think should not be part of this, and it won't be moving forward, but oh, I think Oregon's better, but are they? Who knows? Uh, that's why I hate this. The, the The fact that Texas can go 12 and one and win the big 12 with a win at Alabama and get left out of the playoff in favor of an Oregon team that went 12 and one and lost their most difficult game of the year makes no sense.
2: What about Alabama, who is currently number eight in the college football playoff rankings? A win against Middle Tennessee, a loss to Texas. A win at South Florida. Oh, it wasn't impressive. Yeah, we know. no know. But they won. And ended up winning it by two touchdowns. They beat a ranked Ole Miss team by two touchdowns at home. They win at State. They win at AM. and They beat Arkansas by a field goal. That, that's the one that's like my – there are a couple of scores from Arkansas this year where you're like, were they close to being a whole lot better than we gave them credit for? They didn't win any of those games. They beat Tennessee by two touchdowns, who was ranked 14th at the time, 17th at the time. They beat LSU by two touchdowns, who was ranked 14th at the time. They win big at Kentucky. They smoke Chattanooga, and then they pull out an absolute miracle against Auburn. And if they beat Georgia Saturday, which Brian Haydad says they're going to do in the SEC championship game, then that means Alabama will have the best win of any team in the country all season long in their last opportunity to impress the committee before the four teams for the college football playoff are announced. Again, three top 25 wins, one top 25 loss, And a huge opportunity coming up this week for another, not just top 25 win, but a win over number 1. If Alabama wins, are they in? Yes. And and I've seen people say, oh,
3: there's a scenario in which both Alabama and Georgia are left out. Come on. If Alabama
2: wins in a close game, are they both in?
3: Depends on what happens elsewhere, right? I I think that's dependent on if Louisville
2: beats Florida State.
5: Louisville would need to beat Florida State and and Washington
2: Let's assume that Michigan Michigan beats Iowa Mm
5: -hmm.
2: Okay. Okay. So you have one loss Alabama. This is assuming Alabama wins the SEC championship game So you have one loss Alabama Let's assume that Oregon beats Washington. So you have one loss Oregon, one loss Washington one loss, Georgia. And let's say undefeated Florida State. Alabama gets in
3: over Georgia. They just beat them. You're going to leave Georgia out? Yep.
5: Yeah, you, you kind of have to in that you, situation. You kind of have
3: to. Do you? Everybody else would have a conference championship. They, I mean, it, if those games matter at all. Well, that's another data point, isn't it? It is. Everybody else would have won their Power Five conference except for Georgia, and they would have last, uh, lost
2: their last time out. Georgia would have had four wins against top 25 opponents when they played them Kentucky, Missouri, Ole Miss, and Tennessee, and they would have a single loss to number eight.
3: Again, this is why this is so stupid.
2: And when people like Bear, they point you. They point you to my my most recent tweet. They don't happen very often, so you better that. grab one when it happens. The thing nobody is talking about because we have short memories. We could have had a twelve-team playoff this year. Remember the alliance of very good friends. Thanks to the ACC, Big Twelve, and Pac Twelve, may it rest in peace. We get to wait another year. If FSU gets left out. There are only three people to blame. Great picture of those three guys on a really awkward looking Zoom call, also. <laughs> it can never be
3: worse than the hostage uh, situation that Jeff Vitter and Ross Bjork and Hugh Freeze engaged in, but
2: it, it's not worse, but it's it might be a close a close second. It's very close. I think, because people say, like Barrett Salee, who again I
3: like what there's there's no point of expanding because there there's no more than two or three teams that can win a championship. Uh, buddy, not this year. Washington has already demonstrated the ability to beat Oregon. They did it. So if Oregon beats Washington this time, you're telling me that?
2: Well, that's it. Texas can beat Alabama. Uh, ooh, let, ooh, let's do this real quick. All right, we got our college football playoff rankings. Let's just go through in a one-off scenario. These teams could beat any other team in college football, true or false. Georgia, one off. True. Michigan.
5: Absolutely. True.
2: Washington. They beat Oregon, yes. man. True. Florida State.
5: That no, was tough right
3: without true. Travis, but, man, they're With undefeated. Travis, yes,
5: without him, no. Oregon. True. Yes.
2: Ohio State.
5: Yes. True. Just not Michigan.
2: Anybody else but Michigan, Texas. True. Yes. Alabama. True. Yes. All right, that's everybody with one loss or no losses. That's eight. Well, seven because we subtracted. We subtracted uh, Florida State because of Jordan Travis's mm-hmm. injury. All right, two losses. Missouri, no. Penn no. State, no. Ole
3: no Miss, no. Oklahoma. They did no. beat Texas, but no
5: LSU. No,
3: can't no. stop anybody.
5: <laughs> no, what do you even you, you pause there? No, they can't stop anybody. Georgia would beat them by three touchdowns.
2: I was just thinking about the um, the David Copperfield like qualities that exist in Jaden Daniels. But all
3: those teams you mentioned could at least win one game in a twelve team playoff. Mm-hmm. All of them. Every single oh, one of them. Yeah. Missouri could line up and, and across the field that, from Oregon and beat them. Yeah. Ole Miss yes. could line up across the field yes. from Washington and beat them. Absolutely.
5: Yeah. It's about matchups. Ole Miss can't beat Georgia, but they could beat Washington. Yes. They could beat Oregon.
3: I think if if this year were the year, they could go to Columbus and really fight with Ohio State. I don't think they would
2: yeah. win the game, but they could fight with them. The the version of Ole Miss that had a healthy offensive line earlier in the year. Yeah. It, and look, maybe maybe three more weeks to get healthy, but but still you you've lost pieces and have had to shuffle things around. It kind of feels like you've lost some offensive momentum. Sports talk, Mississippi. Let's talk high school Willie's coming up next.
3: Communication system is a go. go.
1: This this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Young teacher,
5: the subject of schoolgirl fantasy.
2: She wants you so badly. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Super Talk TV, thank you for being with us. We are about 25 minutes away from kickoff of the first Mississippi High School State Championship game. Vaughn Hemingway Stadium in Oxford is the host this year, and we get it started with the 1A. State championship game between Biggersville and Velma Jackson, and then later tonight Laurel and West Point. Two games tomorrow, three games on Saturday to help us make sense of it, uh, make sense of it all, and break down and give us prognostications. The one and only, the w- incomparable. Will East.
0: No one comparable. Com- what is it? Incomparable? No one's comparable to me. Nothing compares. Nothing compares. Uh, let's Nothing see. Compares. So here in a little bit uh, there, Richard Cross, we're going to have mm-hmm. Biggersville versus Velma Jackson. Biggersville 11-1, and 1, Velma Jackson 13-0. and 0. <laughs> Neither team has ever won a state championship. Uh, so Velma Jackson, I was looking at their schedule earlier, and I had to break out the old calculator. And... Uh, Here's what I figured up. Velma Jackson's 22-point win over Taylorsville last week was the closest game they had played all season. 22-point win, closest game they played all season. That's because they outscored their opponents in the regular season 459-25. to 25. If you had just had a few more fingers
2: and toes, <laughs> you wouldn't have had to get the calculator out.
0: 459-25. Wow. Uh, yeah, they did not allow a team All to get right, hold,
2: hold on. They're 13 and 0. And and you say it again. that's 1.8 points per game? Yeah. Roughly? Yeah, somewhere like that. They're giving up an average of less than a safety a game.
0: I mean, that is that is incredible. Uh, but it's still probably not the best defense that will be featured this weekend in the state championship games. I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But getting back to Velma Jackson, Gavin Griffin is probably the best player for them. He has 32 touchdowns on the season, Mr. 1A football. For Biggersville, the best player is Jathan Hatch, 1,300 yards, 21 touchdowns. The best player on defense for Biggersville is Jathan Hatch. He has 60 tackles, 9 interceptions on defense, and is committed to play at Louisville. Uh, tonight's game, I just talked to Luke Johnson a few moments ago. He's headed up for this one, West Point versus Laurel. And you can listen to this game in the Startville area on Laser96.1. You can listen to the Laurel broadcast in Laurel on W L A U, Super Talk Laurel. Uh, and you of course you listen to both of them at Supertalk.fm slash high school. But so West Point, this is their eighth straight state championship game appearance. And I, really? as as far as uh, Richard, I went back and looked, and I think this is the most in a row. Uh, South Panola. There was one year where maybe they didn't make it to a state championship game during that run. I could be wrong about that, but if if eight is not a record, it's close to it for the public schools. Uh, it, it's incredible the run that they that they've had. In fact, it's so incredible, back in 2016, they won their second straight state championship game in a row against Laurel, the same team they're facing tonight. So since 2016, since that time when they met in that state championship game in Starkville for their second title in a row, they've been to the state championship game every year since, and they're meeting up with that team they faced that year. Uh, West Point is just, they're a team that when they're on they're very tough to stop. Jalen Daniels is that... that uh, I'm sorry, Kalen Daniels, not Jalen Daniels. Uh, Kalen Daniels... That would be something. Yeah, that would be something. <laughs> if they had both of them, yes. Because Kalen Daniels, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, earlier in the season ran for 430-something yards and seven touchdowns in one game. He has that capability. Uh, 26 touchdowns on the season. He's I think he's committed to Florida. For Laurel, meanwhile... Very unexpected that they're here. They started the season 1-5. and Teams that start 1-5 and in the higher level, it's very difficult for them to make it this far. But Laurel did. They've won seven out of the last eight. It's kind of a group effort for Laurel on offense. But I would say probably the standout player is Braden Jordan for Laurel. So that's tonight at 730. That's the 5A state championship game. Uh, So very good stuff there. And we have a lot of really good matchups this year, Richard. Uh, Some sneaky good ones like this one between Charleston and Heidelberg for the 2 way state championship. That's tomorrow at 4 p.m. And I would say this. Charleston is probably one of the most consistent teams out there. They've been to, I think, six state championship games in the past 10, 15 years, something like that. They're playing a team that's almost the exact opposite. Heidelberg has been playing football since the late 40s. This is their first ever trip to a state championship game. But Heidelberg kind of had a a really tough schedule to get here. They played Bay Springs earlier in the year, got blown out. Bay Springs defending state champ. They had to play them again in the the playoffs and, and won that game. They've had a really tough schedule. And if you'll remember, they're the team that last year their coach got fired I think before the season started, remember he got into a fight in the stands? Do you remember yeah. that? Uh, and the team really struggled after that, obviously. You had to get a new head coach uh, before the season really even started. To, to be where they are right now, a year later, is pretty incredible for Heidelberg, a team that traditionally hasn't done that well. Again, this is their first state championship appearance since they've been playing football there since the late forties. So incredible job by Heidelberg. They're eleven and three this year facing off against Charleston. Hey I got a note for you. All right.
2: The uh speaking of incomparable, uh the incomparable former retired judge justice George Carlson sends me a message. South Panola went to nine straight state. Nine championship straight. Okay. games, two thousand two through twenty ten. All right. So two three four five six seven eight nine 10 nine straight state championship game appearances for the South Panola Tigers
0: so that has got to be a I mean yeah we're going with that being we're a going record, with yes. that as the record if somebody's you know surely no one has has matched that so well they,
2: isn't the only other team that you would even like if you were just going let me look that up isn't Louisville the only other team that you would even look to see if they had a streak like that and I don't think they have. they, they not in a row
0: I don't I can't remember off the top of my head who's won the most state championships total. I would say it's Lewisville because they've won so many. They've never, in fact, they've never lost a state championship game. Mm. Um, We'll get to them in a second, but yeah, yeah, I would say that that is definitely the record. So eight in a row for West Point this year. It's pretty incredible because earlier in this this season, I would not have expected that because they kind of got off to us. Remember they got off to an 0 and 2 start. Uh so the 6A game is going to be Friday night, tomorrow night at 7 30 between Grenada and West Jones. Grenada was a team who was in the largest classification last year. Remember we had reclassification, created that new 7A classification, and Grenada kind of yeah. they they remained a 6A team. They didn't move yeah. up to 7A. So they were kind of a big dog, but they this was still unexpected. They're a tough, tough team uh, they beat Oxford at at Oxford earlier in the season. They beat South Panola. They lost to South Panola at the end of the regular season and then turned around and beat them by, I believe, uh, 10 points, 11 points, something like that last week to secure this spot in the game uh, tomorrow night at 730, where they're going to be facing... The best defense in the entire state. West Jones, Lunchmeat Lindsey. Isaiah Lindsey leads the West Jones Mustangs. They have six shutouts on the year. Their most famous accomplishment this year was a 2 to nothing win over Terry, where Lunchmeat called his shot, basically told the crowd, I'm getting a safety on the next play, and then somehow followed it up, got a safety, scored the only points in the game and secured the win over Terry for West Jones. They go they're, they're 13 and 0 right now. They blew out Picayune last week.
1: Well,
2: it's it's one thing if you tell the guy that you're lined up across from, I'm about to eat your lunch and we're about to get a safety right here. <laughs> it's another if you turn to the crowd and you give the safety side before the snap did. and then you turn around and go get one.
0: That's what he did. They they so West Jones turned the ball over um uh, on Terry's one-yard line, and so you know Terry's got 99 yards in front of him, and Lunchmeat says, safety on the next play, and gets it. It's pretty incredible. Do we know where the uh, nickname came from? So his sophomore season, maybe his freshman year, he was playing, uh, and he made a – I can't remember the team it was against. I think it was Northeast Jones. He made a huge tackle, and when he tackled this kid, he just stood up and he said, Lunchmeat. And the name stuck. So, there you go. <laughs> I don't
2: know why he yelled your lunch meat, but Do you think he was referring to his opponent as, as lunch meat? Like, you you know, like the prepackaged lunch meat where it's kind of slimy and kind of like thin, and if you hold it up to the light, you can see right through it, and there's just no... I don't even know if that much <laughs> thought went
0: into it. I don't know. I mean, he's a freshman. I mean, what's going through his brain, I don't know, but lunch meat was what he yelled, and it's it's stuck.
2: Wow. We, uh,
0: we like baloney a, against a wall, it's stuck, okay?
2: <laughs> we got to take a quick time out. we got more state championship games to talk about. In fact, we're about to load up on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll continue our conversation with Will coming up next, Mark Wise to start the, five o'clock hour, or the 4 o'clock hour, we'll talk some SEC basketball with him, and then Bill Bender from the Sporting News coming up at 4:20. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio back with you after this. What
1: we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi. <laughs>
2: Our text line is open to you 601 879 4395. C Spire, customer inspired. Will East in Studio X. He's on the Farm Bureau friend line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Uh, We probably need to speed things up just a little bit. Uh, So we, we made it through four of the title games. Biggersville, Velma, Jackson get started about 10 minutes from now. Laurel and West Point later tonight. Heidelberg, Charleston, the early game, 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. West Jones and Grenada tomorrow night. On Saturday, a trio of state championship games starting with 4A, Columbia and Louisville.
0: This is the best game of the bunch by far uh, really? to me. Really? Uh, maybe Oak Grove start will. Uh, just because of the talented rosters there. But Louisville and Columbia. Columbia's been so good the past couple of years. They won the state championship in 2021. They're back again. Uh, Marion Fortenberry, who's committed to South Alabama right now, is maybe the best player on offense and defense for Columbia. And they're going to be facing a Lewisville team who I've said throughout the year is the best in the state regardless of classification. So I'm going to read you just a, a little bit of this. Uh, the Houston Hilltoppers finished the season 11-2. and two. Those two losses were to Louisville. They beat Mendenhall, who was in the 4A state championship game last year. They beat Knoxville County, who's in the 3A state championship game this year and last year. They beat West Point, who's in the 5A state championship game this year and last year. They beat Starville, who's in the 7A state championship game this year and who was the state champ from last year. If that's not the toughest schedule in the entire state, please tell me who you think it had, had a more difficult schedule. I, no, I don't man, know a, who it would be. I'm going to give that one to you uh louisville this is this this is a you know a complete team they offense defense every special teams everything um and they've been that way throughout the entire year basically their closest game by the way was against Knoxibe county, a team we're about to talk about. They won seven to six they can win close games they can win blowouts they can pretty much do it all that's why. Uh, I think this game is the best because Columbia is an incredibly good team 14 and0 and they went under the radar, believe it or not, because Louisville was getting all the headlines in 4A. So that's tomorrow, I'm sorry, that's Saturday at noon. Saturday at 3 30 p.m we have Winona versus Knoxby County. Winona, undefeated. they have a lot of big names on that squad, um, TJ Lockett. Uh, another guy with a great name, Fat Clark, not Fred Clark. We call him Fat Clark around here extremely good uh, they've had the the defense really this year to go toe to toe with anybody they've beaten some bigger schools along the way but they're gonna be facing a knoxby county team that has one of the most dynamic offenses maybe the most dynamic player in the entire state that nobody talks about and that is Camario taylor who's i believe committed to mississippi state he's six foot four two hundred pounds he has a cannon for an arm. He can run people over if the, the 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 receiver's not open. This kid has 60 touchdowns on the year, and they still have a game to play. I mean, it's, it's incredible. He's over 4,000 total yards this year. Um, and no one is talking about him whatsoever because he's a junior. Next year he'll be a senior, and I think that will probably – Put him in the conversation. Uh, I guess I think he's like a three-star recruit right now. I, I maybe some other recruiting services have him uh, rated differently, but that kid is about as dynamic as could be. This is a, a really really good game. Now, Knox County ten and four. They had an incredibly tough schedule, um, but I I think Winona. Um has the defense to keep up with anyone. So this will be if Winona's defense is on the field and then Knoxby County's offense is on the field, that will be something to behold. So that's tomorrow sorry, that's Saturday at three thirty. And then the piece de Resistance is Saturday night at seven PM, the seven A, the first ever seven A state championship game. And that will be Startville taking on Oak Grove, two of the most consistent teams in the larger classifications the past couple of years, especially Oak Grove, who's been to, in the past 10 years, has been to five state championship games. They've won two or three in there. And probably two of the most talented rosters in the entire state. I said that throughout the year that I thought Startville had the most talented roster in the North, Oak Grove had the most talented roster in the South. Uh, Startville kind of had this weird little thing that they went through where. When Trey Petty's not on, they're just not that great of a football team, to be honest with you. They got blown out by Tupelo. But when they're clicking, they're tough to stop. Them and uh, When Petty connects with Burnside, there's probably not a defense in the state that can keep up with them. Oak Grove, on the other hand, had some, some close calls here and there. They played an overtime game here, an overtime game there. But then they got beat by Brandon, and that really woke them up, and they've been on a roll ever since.
2: It's going to be great stuff. Uh, if you're curious about the weather, it looks like it is going to rain and be chilly tonight, but the next couple of days are really good. Uh, you are, of course, talking about a natural grass field at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, yeah. different from the last time that you had the uh, state championship games uh, here in Oxford, but uh, hopefully rain will hold off and it will be good all the way around. Well, it's been fun all season long. Thanks so much for all your high school football work. Yes, sir. Sports Talk Mississippi, we're back. We'll start things off in the 4 o'clock hour with Mark Wise talking some SEC basketball.
1: If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Welcome back. 4 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. You got questions, especially as it relates to basketball, hit us up on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. That's where we're going right now. Well, we're going right now to the Farm Bureau guest line to visit with our friend Mark Wise from the uh, SEC Network and ESPN, he's a college basketball analyst. And Mark, we, we see great atmospheres for college basketball all the time. Usually, though, those are reserved for conference play. Rivalry games, conference play. Last night, in the inaugural ACC-SEC Challenge, we were treated to Duke at Arkansas, and my goodness, what an atmosphere. Bud Walton was like, maybe it has never been before.
4: Well, Richard, you need to know that Bud Walton is my favorite venue in all of the land because, you know, they put the basketball floor down and built the arena around it, not the other way around. And so there's not a Bud seat in the house. It's all on top of you, even though they had 20,000-plus a record crowd last night. And, you know, why not have that kind of atmosphere when Duke comes to town and I thought they were the biggest surprise of last night, and I say that because they played without Mark, uh, got ahead of Duke in the second half, and kind of held on. I thought the biggest surprise of uh, the first night on Tuesday night was um, Clemson winning at Alabama. Uh, the, the combination of P.J. Hall, who's the leading scorer in the ACC, and Shefflin inside, and I think he had 9-14. and 14. They ran a little high-low action that Alabama just struggled with all night long, and you know, when you when you shoot 52% from beyond the arc like Clemson did, uh, Joe Girard, the, the Syracuse transfer, made four threes, so I thought that was the biggest win. Uh, I, I know a lot of people will, will talk about Kentucky and, and Miami, but last time I checked, it's still hard to win in Rupp Arena. Uh, I, a lot of people will talk about Tennessee and North Carolina, but the last time I checked, it's still hard to win in the Dean Dome, so... Pretty interesting because I had the uh, late game at Florida State last night, so yeah. um, we we didn't finish until about ten till midnight last night. So I'm still a little behind on my sleep.
2: Well, that's good for you. You need to stay up late every once in a while. makes you <laughs> makes you look and feel young. Um, visiting with Mark Wise. So uh, just one thought, more thought on uh, Bud Walton that you were alluding to. Yeah. That building is now 30 years old and I cannot think of an arena that is 30 years old that has stood the test of time better than that one. Right. And and I'm not so sure that, yeah, they may need to do some, some updates and some places and kind of uh, maybe do some things for fans. But in terms of a basketball venue, it's as good as there is. I completely agree with you on that front.
4: Well, remember this: they uh, when it first opened, they already had their Hall of Fame, that that kind of front lobby area yeah. that recognized. I, I mean, Arkansas has had going back to Eddie Sutton and, and the and the triplets. I mean, they've they've had a rich basketball tradition. And then uh, in the nineties, uh, in terms of winning that ninety-four, I think NCAA title, yeah, uh, which 94. is what kind of led to. The uh, Bud Walton being built in the first place. Remember, Barnhill Arena was right next door and still stands. It is still an um, a existing uh, athletic event, sport, sporting event uh, venue today. So um, I, I just thought they built the place, um, and I'm talking about Bud Walton. I thought they built it with everybody in mind the media, the band, um, uh, the fans. Uh, it's just a wonderful place to have a great college basketball. Basketball atmosphere. When you start listing the top five in college basketball, I think Bud Walton has to be in that group.
2: I don't think I'd push back on that. I really, really don't. When you were going through the um, the notable, didn't see that coming games, you omitted yeah. one that I think some people might include, and that was Ole Miss winning by twenty over NC State.
4: Right. Well, how about this? If you had told me entering December 1st, which we will be doing tomorrow, that the two remaining undefeated teams in the SEC would be Ole Miss and South Carolina, I think you could have gotten a little bang for your buck there. Uh, So certainly that's a surprise. Um, I know that NC State did not uh, shoot the three ball very well in, in, in that Tuesday night game. And Ole Miss kind of, out physical them, I thought. I got to watch some of that. Breakfield was really good with the twenty-five. Uh, North Carolina State, I think, went—I want to say three for twenty-five in the game. I got to say, you, when you go three for twenty-five, you're going to get beat. You're, you're not going to win. I mean, LSU went to Syracuse, got down early, and Judah Mints is really good. But the three-point differential in that game was eleven to two. That's plus twenty-seven points in three-point differential. When that happens, you lose.
2: Mark, one of the things that Kentucky has been missing in recent years, and nobody's feeling sorry for Kentucky, right? I mean, they've they they have they've done their fair share of winning games. Nobody feels sorry for Cal. Nobody right. feels sorry for Kentucky. But one of the things that has caused Kentucky to have this drought of not getting super deep into the tournament, not carrying a trophy home at the end of the season, has been the inability to consistently knock down three-point shots. They are shooting it better from the perimeter this year, uh, by a fairly significant amount, and is Reed Shepard the young player in the SEC whose name we don't know yet that maybe we should know?
4: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because um, because of, of Kentucky's recruiting class with uh, Dillingham and, and Edwards and so on and so forth. I mean, he kind of gets buried, but I think he was ranked number 23 in the top 100, so he's not... A- He's not an unknown by any stretch, but, yeah, I mean, he gives them a little spark off the bench, which I like. Every coach in the country would love to go down the bench and go, hey, go get me 15 tonight. And I think Shepard gave them 21 on Tuesday night. And I'll, I'll tell you this much. Kentucky has shot the ball. And I'm talking about the three ball that you brought up. They've shot the ball pretty well the last two years. They just don't shoot many of them. And that's the stylistic change that Kentucky has made. They made nine threes, but they, they had 26 assists in the game. Uh, they've had a couple of games where they've made double-figure uh, three-point shots. You can only do that when you shoot more of them. I, I don't care how good you are. So from that standpoint, I think the stylistic change, I think Cal has wrapped his arms a little around the three-point line a little bit more and has let go of the mid-range jumper a little bit more.
2: Mark, you've you've sat on the bench, you've been in the meetings when a coaching staff has to decide, okay, do we take this guy that is our sixth guy and do we put him in the starting lineup? I'm wondering yeah. what that conversation is like at Mississippi State right now. Josh Hubbard uh, tied for ninth in the SEC at 16 points per game, just a hair over 16 points per game. He's leading Mississippi State in scoring. He's played nearly 30 minutes a game. When do you think Chris Jans makes that move and says, hey, this guy needs to be on the floor from the jump?
4: Well, again, how many minutes is he playing per game? Because if he's playing starters' minutes, it's kind of irrelevant. It's a three-step process, I think. I think, will it help the player? Will it help the player that's going to the bench? And then will it help the team? So each coach has to wrestle with those three questions when you just decide to move a guy into the starting lineup. He's played very well. Uh, I, I thought uh, when Mississippi State got beat at Georgia Tech, that was the first time this year that they kind of shot the ball the way they did last year. Yeah. And, and when you do that, you're not going to win. I mean, um, so they, they got they kind of got caught in that half-court, knock-down drag-out that they played a lot of last year. And when you do that, And you don't make shots you don't
2: win. Certainly makes it uh, difficult. Any concern with Texas A&M, who is a really talented team and is picked by some to eventually win the SEC? They go on the road to face Virginia, which means pack line defense, tough place to play, and they don't even score in the 50s. Anything to be concerned about there?
4: I don't think so. They're playing without Radford. And remember, uh, they had just played Sunday night in the third-place game of, and you're going to have to help me out, I think they were in Orlando, the ESPN Events Invitational. Uh, So, uh, Buzz Williams kind of expressed this. I watched his press conference on Monday, and and he kind of expressed that it's probably not a good scheduling move in terms of of putting those two things back-to-back. Uh, I don't put a lot of stock in one win or one loss especially when a team is not at full strength.
2: Okay. Well that certainly uh certainly makes some sense. What are you watching for over I mean a month from now we're in SEC play. What what are you watching right. for in the month of December?
4: Well, I want to see what direction Tennessee goes in uh, because if you give up 61 and a half and I I I know how difficult it is to go to North Carolina and play, and when another team get, gets it going, it's hard to get them stopped. I don't think this is Tennessee's best defensive team that he's had. I don't think they have a lot of rim protection right now, and they're trying to figure out the rotations, and then Connect gets hurt late in the game. Um, so I think they've got some figuring out to do. do they, what, what's their identity? Their identity has always been we're going to be physical and we're going to defend first. And with the certain lineup that that Tennessee has this year, that may have to be tweaked a little bit. So that's one thing that I'm uh, anxious to see. And then the other thing is Florida has has, uh, had a very uneven performance in terms of being 4-3 and right now.
2: All right. We'll see how it unfolds. Great information as always. Mark, always appreciate your time. Good catching up. Thanks, Richard. We'll talk soon. That's Mark Wise, college basketball analyst with ESPN and the SEC Network. We're back with you after this.
1: Back to Sports Talk Mississippi.
6: It doesn't get any better
1: than this. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi. We're just sticking with the guest rotation for uh, right now. Busy Thursday afternoon with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Let's stay on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. Bill Bender, from the sporting news, one of our absolute favorites. Bill, I hope you and your family had a great Thanksgiving weekend and you soaked up all the glory that was the final weekend of the regular season.
6: Yeah, it was a fun weekend. Rivalry week was great. Uh, cover to cover, you know, I was up in Ann Arbor for that one. It was uh, everything you could ask for in a great rivalry between two great teams and two great fan bases and a lot of extracurriculars this season. But you know what? I think on some level, Michigan shut some shut some people up. I mean, there's no way around it. They they were the better team on Saturday.
2: Bill Michigan Stadium has the the reputation for being kind of a, a wine and cheese crowd. It looked really good on television. What was it like being there?
6: No, oh, it was loud. It was and you know that that place I might go up there for that game. You know, this was the least scarlet and grass all in the stadium. Oh, really? They were amped up from the start. They were ready to go. Um yeah, I mean, I was there in 15 when Michigan was down and I man it might have been 50-50. So, yeah, they were amped up, Rowdy. It was definitely a factor. And the game really turned, surprisingly, on Zach Zinter's injury. You would have thought, oh, man, Michigan might be in trouble. They just lost their best interior lineman. But it took the crowd to another level. And, you know, Michigan fed off that, played well. And it was a great game between two great teams, like I said. And in the end of it, uh, Michigan just made a couple more plays. <laughs> I
2: want to throw something at you. I tweeted this earlier today, and it's something that we've kind of kicked around a little bit this week. I just don't feel like it's got much national attention. And that is, you know, in this debate for who the four teams are going to be, with with so much still to be determined in rivalry weekend, I feel like we've forgotten that it didn't have to be this way this year. If not for the 18 months of dragging feet with the alliance of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the ACC We could have had a 12-team playoff this season, and yet we don't, and it's still almost hard to wrap our minds around the fact as
6: to why we don't. Yeah, it would have been a lot of fun, but you know what? I I think this is the 12-team playoff this weekend, because one of the things that isn't, you know, if, if, if you think that's not being talked about enough, I think this one isn't, that the 12-team playoff and the conference championship weekend aren't going to mesh well. They're just not. I mean, for yeah. me, it's like i watched that great game, and then what if they have to do it again the next week? That's not. That's going to feel too much like the NFL, I'm telling you. And I know how steeped in tradition the SEC championship game is. I understand that. I, don't get me wrong. But it means less when both teams are going to go to the playoff anyway. You can't tell me otherwise.
2: I mean, yeah, but two years ago I was in that stadium when Georgia was the overwhelming favorite and Alabama beat them, and it was 70% Georgia fans, and it was deafening loud. I just, that game meant a lot that year, and we ended up with both of them in the playoff. When?
6: 2017? 2017?
2: No, was it was it not two
6: years ago that
2: I'm thinking about when Alabama beat Georgia? Oh yeah, they did
6: play. You're right. They played in the rematch a month later. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's fair. But I I just I think yeah, and which one mattered more? I forgot that Alabama beat them. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like in that one Bryce Young the Heisman Trophy. And Bryce Young won the Heisman and then a month later Georgia beat them down. And that's what I'm saying. Like the the finality of last and you could make the case right back at me, Richard, that You know, Ohio State and Michigan both made the playoff last year after playing that great game, and and they were really close to playing in a rematch, and that would have been great. But I I like the finality that there's a loser, and it costs a lot more than just bragging rights to lose that game.
2: Look, if I were Kirby Smart or Dan Lanning or Ryan Day or Jim Harbaugh or whomever, that first-round buy would mean a lot to me when we're talking about the 12-team playoff next year, having to win one less game to get a trophy. But Richard Cross, the fan of college football, thinks it would be way cooler to be the five, six, seven, or 8 seed and host an on-campus game in the opening round of the playoff than to sit at home and watch that unfold and then have to go to a bowl-type stadium the following week. Am I crazy for that?
6: No,
4: you've spotted the
6: flaw. And I've thought that all along. Like, why? If you're a top four seed, get a home game, you have to go like your first. I get exactly what you just said. You know, you're going to get that bye week, and that's great. And your chance to get a national championship is better. But the the allure of the NFL playoffs is those home games. I mean, I'm a huge Green Bay fan. And, and when it's Lambeau Field in the divisional round now, Granted, the last couple of years, it didn't work as well. Like, <laughs> they, you live for that home field. advantage, but We right? Like you, li- you live for it. And uh, I think that's a miss in this new format. I mean, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, what's you want your fans to experience that. And it would be a huge advantage to have Ole Miss up in Ohio Stadium in a second-round playoff game. That's a huge advantage for the Buckeyes.
2: It, it absolutely is, and if it happened to be the inverse of that, then, you know, maybe the other way around. Maybe a big advantage for, for an Ole Miss uh, in that scenario. And, and to me, the solution, that like there are two solutions here. One, you say, okay, we'll go to 16 and the top eight get home games in the first round. Or two, you play the second round on campus as well at the top four seeds, but we're still somehow beholden to the bowl games.
6: Yeah, and I mean that's—I don't see that changing. So, and another part, I thought of it. And as you know, I'm a Mac graduate. Like, as much as I want to daydream that my Ohio Bobcats would host a first-round game, those stadiums are a little bit smaller. So, if Ohio it was hosting Ole Miss and and boys from Oxford got to come up to <laughs> Athens, Ohio for a first rounder, I don't know if there would be enough room. For all the old mess fans. So, I mean, these are some of the, the old in the Death Star, or what do they call it? Like the, the flaw in the Death Star, so to speak.
2: Yeah. Well, and I guess one more thing, and not to belabor the point. So, I'm doing an FCS playoff game this weekend, and I can't wait. I'm going to be in Brookings, South Dakota for Mercer at South Dakota State. I think it's going to be phenomenal. The idea that that game could be played in. Dubuque, Iowa, at just a neutral site instead, where both fans would have to travel, it, it, it just loses all its luster.
6: How much money do the fans have? I mean, that's the other thing. If you're a Ohio a State point. fan or an Alabama fan, you've got to go, like, take Alabama, and this has happened. Like, you go from Atlanta to, I mean, I'm assuming they would keep them close, you know, probably back to Atlanta two weeks later. And then what? The round of four. And then you're going to a place like Houston. I remember a couple years ago, I was out in uh, the Bay Area to watch Clemson and Alabama play in a national championship game, and I couldn't help think myself, you know, these two fan bases would have just as easily gotten in the car and went to Atlanta. You know what I mean? And, and I think some of that location and travel also underestimated the impact that's going to have and the cost that that's going to accrue for some of these programs.
2: All right, Bill, Alabama and Georgia in Atlanta, to your point just a second ago, this weekend. What odds are you giving Alabama of, of winning this game?
6: I mean, they can win. They could absolutely go in there and win. And, you know, Jalen Milroe is going to stress that defense a little bit different. Um, you know, with the last couple of weeks, 70% completion percentage in November, averages 6.1 yards per carry. I mean, Georgia probably hasn't, seen somebody like him this year. Now they handled Jaden Daniels last year and they've handled every quarterback this season that has a Heisman caliber type bend to him. But that's the matchup to me. Can Jalen Milroe make enough plays and uh be consistent enough to attack them? And then on the other side, does that secondary hold up against Alabama's secondary has been really good. Do they hold up against Carson Beck and all the weapons he has?
2: Wouldn't it be something if Oklahoma State became the hero of the Big 12 by defeating both Oklahoma and Texas in their final year in the conference?
6: Well, I mean, there's so many awkward potential moments this weekend, right? Right, Yormac in Texas, uh, the Pac-12 commissioner handing a trophy to a, com- <laughs> a conference that doesn't exist, uh, Petiti and Harbaugh, <laughs> that one's the best one. Uh, Florida State was talking about joining the SEC all summer, and... Here's Greg Sankey with his feet up, but yeah, I mean to, your, to answer your question, Oklahoma State could be the ultimate spoiler. And for Mike Gundy, they've been so inconsistent this season. But to win the last bedlam and send them out, see you Oklahoma, then go beat Texas, send them out, see you Texas. I mean, he he'll get a lifetime contract the next day.
2: Yeah, he may already have it. Hey, thirty seconds left. Why is Tulane only a three and a half point favorite over SMU? when SMU lost their quarterback last week.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough game for the Mustangs, but they'll throw it around a little bit. And Tulane's been interesting covering. I think the Green Wave win, but it'll, it'll be a tight one.
2: Should be a lot of fun. Bill, always appreciate your time. Great catching up.
6: Hey, no problem. Take care.
2: Bill Bender In this uh, from the Sporting News, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team mississippi farm bureau it'll be us for the rest of the way when we come back
1: sports talk mississippi on super talk mississippi
2: Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at SuperTalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. Thanks to all of our guests who appeared on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Good conversation with Will East, talking state championship games, which are now underway in Oxford at Vaught Hemingway Stadium. Uh, you get the, uh, the Biggersville Velma Jackson game. Uh, just underway. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, of course, Mark Wise from the SEC Network and ESPN, and then Bill Bender from the Sporting News, all appearing on the Farm Bureau guest lines. Uh, I got a little news for you that uh, I don't think you're going to find anywhere else. Uh, sources have shared some information with me. Do you guys remember back around the first of the year, last January, we got a like, wind our brains back just a little bit. You had the wild story of Jarell Poe and four others who were arrested on alleged kidnapping charges. They were allegedly investors to the tune of about $300,000 into this guy Bryce Mathis's medical marijuana startup think was the deal, and there was a lot of back and forth, but ultimately Poe and others allegedly drove from Laurel to Ridgeland to meet Brian Mathis to get their money back because the investment was going nowhere and he had nothing to show for it, and the bank was closed, and they spent the night, and Mathis alleged that Poe slept across Mathis's legs so that he couldn't, like, run out of the hotel. I mean, it was wild. Like, there was craziness. Well, this case went before a grand jury, and sources have told me that the grand jury returned a no bill. So the grand jury's job, when it hears cases, is not to find guilt or innocence. It is simply to find out whether or not there is enough evidence to move forward in a court setting. And so a grand jury will either render a true bill, which is to say there is enough information to move forward, or a no bill. And a no bill is a, former docu- a formal document that is filed with the court that lets the defendant and the defendant's attorney and the judge and everybody involved know that no formal charges will be filed against the defendant at least at this time. And usually a no bill means the case is over. And so there were five defendants in the case, Jarrell Poe, Gavin Bates, Angie McClellan, Coburn McClellan, and Cooper Leggett. And there is a no bill that has been returned by the grand jury that was hearing that case, and so it will not move forward. That was a wild story when it came out and and the um I guess the plaintiff Brian Mathis, when you kind of dug into his background, there's a pretty significant amount of shadiness um, in online filings and explanations of what he did and what he had done with money from previous investments that was all out there so. You may see that in the uh, in the news in the days to come, but um, I guess for now that story comes to an end. A lot of people had moved on from that story anyway, and uh, well, once the details came out, it, it's
3: it's funny, you know, crime never pays, and apparently one didn't occur. But a lot of people sympathized when the details came out. It was like, man, I kind of would have done the same thing.
2: Yeah, but apparently none of. What was alleged was actually done, and so the bill was uh, was returned by the grand jury. So it's not going to move forward. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. You can book your tee time or plan your trip, or maybe give them a call and get a gift certificate for the golfer in your life that is perhaps hard to buy for, as we... Approach the, uh, the holiday. We're in the holiday season. We're not even approaching it. We are in the holiday season. Yeah, we've already, we just had one. Yeah, it starts a couple of days before Thanksgiving and runs all the way through the New Year. That's the holiday season. When do you start greeting people with Merry Christmas? December. Well, it depends.
3: Whole if, month? If it's somebody that I'm going to see often, no. That's like for the week of Christmas. But if it's somebody that I know that, like I ran into them. And I probably won't see him again. Starting in December, I will wish them a merry Christmas. Christmas. Yeah,
2: Yeah. but what like what the week out of Christmas? Like you walk up to people, just shake their hand. Hey, Merry Christmas! Yep. Okay, there we go. Christmas is
3: awesome. I mean, it's you know, I know of course there's the religious component that really draws people to it, which you can include me in that category as well. I love the, the the season though. The, the lights and the music and the food and stuff and, like, Christmas parades and all that. I mean, I, my little guy can't wait. Although he's going to be crushed if there's not a Lightning McQueen float because there's a video that he likes to watch of a Christmas parade. Uh, he's four. <laughs> and it's got a big <laughs> Lightning McQueen float. What's
2: the chances that Madison has a Lightning McQueen float in the Christmas parade? I, I don't know. Hey, Matt, the, we're gonna, we're go, we're, he's going back-to-back. Back. This Saturday, Madison...
3: Next Saturday, Gluckstadt. We're doing. We're just gonna go to Christmas parades. It's gonna be our thing. Uh, organizers, get a Lightning McQueen
2: float, please, <laughs> please. Hey, Dave, it can ends, you be in charge of that? Can you keep the hopes and dreams of uh, young James alive at the tender age of four by making sure that there is a Lightning McLe- uh, McQueen float in either the Madison or Gluckstadt Christmas parades?
5: Uh, if I can't, I will uh, paint Borky red, and uh, we'll we'll put him, make him look like like Lightning McQueen. Mm. <laughs>
2: Borky, I'm thinking you better you better figure out a way to lay the groundwork and kind of let him down easy in advance. I, I've started to, hey buddy, I don't know if Lightning McQueen's going to be there. You know,
3: just I don't know if he's going to be there. Yeah, just kind of putting that in. And then Marshall from Paw Patrol. <laughs> okay, got to make sure Marshall's not going to be there either.
2: Well, you may just have you to need have to, uh, a car slash paul Patrol marathon when you get home from the parade on on the the old television.
5: And and just go ahead and tell you that if if in the next couple of days if we were to do a, one of our calls in the morning and James is on there I'm not going to be able to resist saying, I hear you're going to see Lightly McQueen. I won't, I won't be able. I will fight you in the street if you do that. <laughs> I, I, so I don't know that I'll be able so to resist funny. messing with you.
3: I, I, will, I will fight you in the street. No, I'm not going to answer. <laughs> hey, buddy. I mean, I've only got one more day of this before Saturday. So we're, yeah. we're good there.
5: That's so honest, today is Thursday, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is Thursday.
3: Uh, I mean, I got hit yeah. like a ton of bricks walking into the building here, so they put up the Christmas tree here in the building. And it is huge. Like 15, 20, I mean, it's a big Christmas tree. Wait, you don't have your Christmas tree up yet? I don't have mine up yet. And I regret that. But the smell. I I love the smell of Christmas trees. And, like, I can't go fake. I, I know people go fake. I'm not hating on you if you got fake. It's more convenient. I get it. When it's done, you just pop it back up in the attic. It's a one-time purchase. I get it. Yeah. The smell of a real Christmas tree permeating throughout the house is I mean, we why, why don't we normalize that all year? Just give me some Fraser furs, man. Let me just cycle them
5: in and out once a month. I, I would I would love that. My wife is allergic to Christmas trees, so we have a fake one.
2: We have we have we're not even going to call it. It's actually a real Christmas tree. It's just artificial. It's not uh, it's not living and breathing. So we're not going to denigrate <laughs> the artificial tree by calling it a fake. We celebrate <laughs> the season. <laughs> In the same way that you do with all that sap yeah. that's dripping and the needles that have to, to be vacuumed. Uh, yes, we uh, put
5: out my. uh to put out my my MSU Santa Claus this weekend. I'm very excited.
2: There you go. Um, we have uh, asthma issues with uh, with some in the house, and so we had to part ways with the live Christmas tree. Although, is it still live once you cut it down? The former. Yeah.
3: Anyway, sorry. Well, if you, I mean, I guess if if you keep it watered at the base, it it stays around. And you know what it becomes, by the way, if you have it's access just life to
2: support at that point. Yeah, true.
3: But if you have access to property, it's great firewood, and and that fire smells so good. That had but if you have access to property that has water on it, uh those things attract fish like none other. If you remember where you throw the Christmas tree, especially a big one, oh, yeah. into the pond, buddy, and you bring a couple of kids out there, you catch brim by the hundreds for hours on a couple of Christmas trees thrown in the pond. Just give it like
2: a week. They're fish magnets. Yeah. Um. <laughs> tell Borky they sell that smell in a jar or a candle. <laughs> Have you seen the price of candles? Thanks, Biden. The inflation
3: is killing the candle market, buddy. My gosh.
5: If you uh should check out Serenity by Jan. <laughs> yeah, reasonably priced candles.
2: Dwayne and Brandon says, got a real Christmas tree one year. Had to tie it to the wall. It had a crooked trunk. You got to look at that ahead of time. You got to go like anchor yeah, point yeah. in the wall.
5: Yeah, you got to figure that out before
2: you buy Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. Take a time out. We're back with you after this.
1: Mississippi You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find everything that Genteel has on their website at genteelapparel.com. From golf shirts and golf shorts or everyday shorts or whatever to uh, long pants. They got a bunch of different varieties of pants. They've got uh, some uh, a slightly heavier weight canvas pant, which I love this time of year. They've got the uh, the performance clubhouse pant, which is a uh, it's a performance material, super lightweight, stretchy, really really comfortable. Especially if you have to travel a lot, uh, it is the most comfortable pair of pants that I have ever worn, and certainly is great to travel in. Plus, they they don't wrinkle. Like you you put them on, and if they got wrinkles in them, they fall out immediately. You can fly in them, and then get to where you're going, and they still look great. Uh, not to mention pullovers, quarter zips. Hoodies, the whole deal. Genteelapparel.com and uh, 10% off your order when you enter your email address and free shipping on orders of $150 or more. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borkey, glad to be with you. Let's talk hoops for a second before we get to the college football fix to uh, to start the next hour. I'll talk with Mark Wise about that game. Did you guys watch some, even if you didn't watch all of it, did you watch some? Of that game last night in Fayetteville with with Arkansas and Duke? I did not. Okay, Okay. you just be quiet and not say anything. That's fine, too. (laughs) Yeah. They had over 20,000 people. They set an all-time attendance record at that game last night. Uh, I heard an interview that Chris Budden did earlier today. I I think both Dan Shulman and Jay Billis said it during the broadcast. The loudest basketball game they had ever been in attendance for. It was ridiculous. Arkansas won eighty to seventy five. Um Carolina hung a hundred on Tennessee. Tennessee's known as a team that plays pretty good defense. They gave up a hundred last night at the Dean Dome. Uh I don't Yeah, you know, we we said yesterday that there was some some really good basketball that was coming up last night. And it it kind of lived up to the billing. Virginia just put a chokehold on Texas A and M in the second half. They led by one at the half and outscored them. They held Texas A and M to 21 points in the second half.
3: Is there anything we've learned after this challenge in the first six or five or seven or eight or, you know, how the season goes in the early going? Uh, but after these first few games, is there anything that we've learned that we didn't know going into the year?
5: Yeah.
2: I think the SEC is going to be a bear.
5: Very good conference.
2: I mean, Arkansas has got three losses, right? They got a bad loss to, who? it wasn't Western Carolina. Who, who was it that they lost to? Uh, was it UNC Greensboro? UNC Greensboro. And they lost to Memphis and North Carolina. But they just beat Duke last night, who's a top-ten team. So they're kind of figuring things out early. Tennessee's got three losses. Their three losses are to number one, Purdue, number two, Kansas, and number 17, North Carolina on the road. Um, Fandy's bad. Pretty good win for Georgia. Go figure, Auburn's still really tough at home. They beat um, Virginia Tech last night by 17. It's not a terrible Virginia Tech team either. Feels like Ole Miss is better than people thought they were going to be, and they just got a really important adi- addition. Mississippi State's gotten into the top 25 without Tolu Smith, and I know they had a bad loss against Georgia Tech. I get it, but it's going to happen. State's going to get their best player back in what, hey, Dad, five, six weeks? Was there a report that I read somewhere that he might actually be a little ahead of schedule of what they thought he was going to be?
5: There was a report on Thunder and Lightning that was saying that, yes. Well, tell me about it. Yeah, there, there, there's a possibility. There's some smoke. It's not a lot, but there's some smoke that he could be back end of next month, end of December, right, right, right when conference play gets started up. That'd be a big deal. Yeah, it would be. Kentucky's good. They're
2: talented, and that really highly touted recruiting class is playing well, and they're shooting forty three percent from behind the arc. Um, the Clemson win at Alabama, kind of—I didn't see that one coming. Came in a left field. Uh, schedule, yeah, okay, we'll see with South Carolina, but they are undefeated, including a win over Notre Dame. This week, well, yeah, I think that's what we've learned. And I mean, there are a lot of people that thought the SEC was going to be pretty good. LSU's not good. Uh, Missouri's got a couple of questionable losses. They lost at home to Jackson State, and they also lost to. Oh, they lost to Memphis. That was the other one. But they're six and two. Got a win over Pittsburgh. I I just it's going to be a fun year for SEC basketball. And doggone it, it feels like we get to be a part of it. We don't have to be innocent bystanders, pretend to be interested observers. Because I think there are two pretty good teams here in the Magnolia State that are going to be in the mix. I think. Sports Talk, Mississippi, five o'clock hour coming up. We'll start it out with the college football fix.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Super Talk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station.
2: Five o'clock hour with you. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Thanks for being with us alongside Michael Bork. Bork, 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 Bur- What? Well, my brain was thinking faster than my mouth was moving. Here, let's just, uh, hold on, let me. Alongside Michael Borky. There it is. And the birthday boy, Brian Haydad. That's what I was trying to get to, and it, that Borky and birthday just kind of rolled into one, and that is where we finished. Michael Berkey. Uh, yes, yes, that's right. Brian Haydad having a birthday on this Thursday. What, um, got any birthday plans?
5: Uh, we're going to hibachi when we get out of here. Ooh, your choice? Yeah. What's your hibachi order? Well normally I would get uh steak, but uh, I think tonight we'll go with uh shrimp and scallops. And some sushi. I'll do some sushi.
2: Is that because it's a healthier, less caloric option and you're trying to still be good? Not gonna do a birthday sport? No, that's correct.
5: Well I had a, I had a big lunch, so
2: Well there was a birthday lunch also.
5: Yeah, but my, my, my friends here in Starkville took me out to lunch for uh I don't know why I looked over there like they're sitting there. Uh they, they took me out to lunch today, yeah.
2: Nice. They make you buy. For everybody,
5: no. Uh, somebody picked up the tab for me.
2: That's awfully nice. <laughs> Did they yeah. get you a gift also, or that was the gift? No gift.
5: That was. I mean, yeah, yeah that was the gift. Yeah, they're, they're it, I, you know, they're my friends.
2: Is there a gift from? Uh, I mean, you don't have to apologize for that. You like get quiet. I mean, like they're they're my my friends. Some of my friends here in Starkville told me. It's it's okay. You you're allowed to have friends <laughs> that live in Starkville, the same Good. town in which you live.
5: Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad.
2: Any other, uh, any other salad? Did you wake up to balloons or breakfast in bed or like uh, a ac- Anybody accompany you on your walk this morning?
5: No, 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 breakfast like- today. Breakfast today was a bowl of uh, crunch berry, Captain Crunch. No milk.
2: Dry, I'm sure.
5: It was dry as the day is long. Okay. But-
2: I will say that Captain Crunch is a good choice to just go grab a handful of and munch
5: on. It is. Even it is. but you milk. can't eat it every day. Can't eat it every day. It'll tear the roof of your mouth to shreds.
2: Yeah, yeah, it can be uh, it can be tough. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So did did, did uh, was there like a birthday present for you?
5: Uh, I got some jeans which I desperately need. There you and go, And, yes, they are, a, they are a size smaller than the ones I'm currently wearing. So that a boy. I'm down two jean sizes uh, this year.
2: Two two sizes in one year. Yeah, very good. How long will these new ones last?
5: Well, let's see. I started the ones I'm wearing now. I, I had to I had to go to them in like February, and they got all the way to November. So to take another two inches down, probably you know, you know, I don't know, okay. maybe maybe it next months? summer. Okay, yeah, there go.
2: I like it. I like it. <laughs> Derek in Greenwood says. Richard went full Swedish chef. Full Swedish berk chef. to Berg
1: de Berg. <laughs> oh, uh,
2: that's one of my favorite scenes from Muppet Christmas. Or I say it's an ongoing scene when the, the Swedish Chef coming in. <laughs> Christmas turkey. Okey dokey You guys have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? I know what the Swedish chef is, yes. Okay. I do too. Uh, What do you say? Somebody
5: asked if I got blue Delta jeans. No, I didn't drop two grand today on uh,
2: Oh, stop. They don't cost two grand. I got four pairs. They would have cost two grand. Nah. We still don't. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to BuyFordNow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. Holiday sales event has begun. That means great savings on Ford SUVs and trucks at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So we are in a bit of a strange time in college football. When you get an announcement on Twitter, from a player that is currently on your roster announcing that he will be coming back for his final season, where you're like, historically, you're like, well, yeah, of course you are. I mean, if you're not going to the NFL, of course you're coming back for your final season. But when you have one year of eligibility remaining and you can either grad transfer or you have a free transfer remaining, it's a different era. And so Ole Miss got good news last night when J.J. Pegues, about 8 o'clock last night, I think it was, tweeted that uh, he was coming back, that he had a new deal in place with the Grove Collective and was uh, looking forward to his final year at Ole Miss. There are a lot of people that are pretty excited about that, and I think with good reason. He was an important piece for Ole Miss on both the defensive side and situationally on the offensive side. Yeah, They, They would occasionally put the ball in his hands, also use him as a blocker in short yardage situations. He's a load, and he's really athletic, and I thought he became a pretty good defensive lineman this season as well.
3: For sure, and those just don't grow on trees. A veteran, experienced guy, also a locker room guy on on top of all of that, Um, and I I certainly could be wrong as far as I understand it, Uh, his deal is, is not what a player of his caliber would command in the transfer portal. So you get to keep a guy that's been on your team for a while, and uh, uh, replacing a defensive lineman like him in the portal is shockingly expensive because there's just not that many of them. There are some quality defensive linemen hit the portal. Ohio State had a former five-star hit the portal the other day. Played a year at Ohio State and just, for whatever reason, doesn't want to be there. So there's those kind of athletes that are there, but not many, and everybody wants them, and so... Getting a a guy of his caliber back without having to deal with that or having to find somebody of his caliber for much more expensive is a win uh, in in many ways. And that's kind of the thing that...
5: I think that's the thing, though. I think most players, there are going to be some who are going to squeeze every last dollar, but most players, especially upperclassmen, will, will, will accept a hometown discount. For 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 lack of a better word, you you're going to be able to keep. I think it's cheaper to keep your players than it is to get new players in almost every instance. Yeah, I mean, imagine unless you've got a guy who's just You're like a true freshman who came in, especially at a smaller school. But if you're at an SEC school, you should be able to. To keep your guys more often than not,
3: like Nathaniel Watson, for example, I mean he didn't yeah. he didn't try to portal or anything last year. He got paid, but uh, if he would have gone to the portal, he could have commanded. I, without knowing the details, you would know more than me. I would guarantee that he could have gotten a heck of a lot more than he got last no, year.
5: Probably no question about it.
2: It's funny you use that that phrase, "Hey Dad," because I was kind of. I was mulling that over in my head. Is there a, home ca- a hometown discount? And, and I don't know that it's the case for everybody because there are some guys that are looking to get into a better situation. Like maybe they spent their time at a school and they just don't think they have a chance to get to the postseason or get to the playoff or win a conference championship or a national championship, and, and that's important to them. So maybe you've been at a bad program for an extended period of time and you want to take a shot at the end. I feel like that happens more, though, with a group of five guys who want yeah. to Chase playing at the highest level. Um, you know, we, we've seen a couple of examples.
5: Priest Corn would be a good example of that.
2: Caden Priest Corn would be a good example. He, he left Memphis after last season um, and was an important part of the Ole Miss team. And I think Caden Prescorn is a guy that Ole Miss is working desperately to try and get him to spend the last season of eligibility that he's got in Oxford. And those guys, isn't that – so we hear so often from
3: people, and I see it everywhere, people talking about how awful all of this is, and it's ridiculous, it's absurd. NIL, it's not sustainable, and this is crazy and all that. Pre-NIL, a guy like J.J. Piggies, or, or let's pretend for a second that, that Ole Miss gets pre-scorned back. Hadn't made an announcement, but let's just pretend that a guy like him comes back. Those are two guys on opposite sides of the ball that are that are locker room guys, on top of being good players. Really good players. Helpful. You can win a lot of games with those guys. But they are fringe prospects in the NFL. I assume both of them could find their way in, onto a roster or a practice squad with the right fit. But It's not guaranteed. And in years past, they would just go because they had to. You just you had to go to the NFL. You just had to. If you have a chance to make money and you're healthy, you got to go make money as fast as you can. But a guy like J.J. Pegues now, as he announced that he signed with the Grove Collective, is getting guaranteed money, can shape his craft and, and maybe improve his draft stock, and Ole Miss benefits from him being around. And college football as a whole benefits from guys, fringe NFL prospects, sticking around for another year. You have young people stay in school for longer. You help football teams. And they get to help themselves all at the same time. There is no downside to the NIL component when you're talking about a J.J. Piggies. Everybody wins here, and that
2: doesn't get talked about enough. Let's pick this conversation back up on the other side of this timeout. That's your college football fix driven by Ford.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk tv. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. Weekend just around the corner. Big college football weekends, championship weekend with conference championship games happening all over the place. College football fix. We're talking about. Portal decisions and NIL and signings and collectives and all of the stuff, all of the things. I'm curious what you guys think the number is that an SEC team needs. Talking about the, the cash number for a football roster. That makes it competitive in the SEC. I'm not saying wins the SEC, but I'm talking about competitive. You know, top half, top third of the league for this upcoming season, for the 2024 season. And and keep in mind a couple of things. One, we don't know exactly what teams spent last year, and we know that everybody is taught that everybody that covers. Portal and NIL has talked about the fact that prices have gone up, and in a lot of cases have gone up significantly in the the past 12 months. And I think Matt Rule pointed us in that direction yesterday when he said in a press conference, kind of the end-of-the-year press conference at Nebraska, that, hey, quarterback, good quarterback, million, million and a half, two million, that's what you got to pay for it. So what do you guys think the number is to build a – competitive SEC roster. And and remember, that number, that, that has to be all in. I mean, that's that's the guys that you are retaining. That's the guys that you're picking up in the portal. That's the high school deals that you're doing across the board.
5: I would think, you know, my first thought is, on a, on a roster of 85, right, mm-hmm. you've probably got what? You're probably paying how many guys? I mean, really paying them out of your collective. Paying them
2: something or paying them
5: a lot. Well, I mean, I, I would really bet that there's the bottom. Them. Yeah, like the bottom half of the roster is probably not getting much of anything. Like the the bottom forty players might get a combined forty thousand, fifty thousand dollars. Just is not a lot of money, you know. Just just enough to put some spending cash in their pockets every now and then. Um, but then at the th- the top half of the roster. You know you you're probably talking about a few million here, you know between your your quarterback, whatever stars you have if you you know if you, and the, the more stars you have, the more you're gonna have to pay. You almost just want to have a good team and not a great team for financial purposes hmm. um I mean I would imagine i mean I'm just throwing a number out here, but I'm just trying to work the math in my head to be competitive in the SEC, to be between seven and nine wins, not not winning the conference. But you're in the discussion for good bowl games, probably between seven eight million dollars, something like that.
2: I think for the upcoming year, that number's pretty close to accurate. And and some of yeah. it depends on how you spend your money, also, right? And I mean, what you need. Ha- how too. good are you? Well, yeah, that's good. That's a good point. What what do you need? But also. Yeah. How good is your plan? How organized are you? How much time and effort have you put into running it like you're dealing with a salary cap and a budget and you're a skilled negotiator and you do what you, you know? I think that that piece of it matters because my guess is like, you know, like in, in a home budget or a business budget or whatever, there are some people – that have the ability by making smart choices to make their money go farther than others. Right? There's some people that spend more and get less in return, and there's some people that spend less and get more return in return just because they're good at managing what they've got. But yeah, I I think probably in that seven to eight million range for the upcoming year. and, and it's more. I mean, I think that's more than it was a year ago. My, my guess is it's a somewhat educated guess that last year you probably needed to spend somewhere between five and seven million to have a competitive SEC roster, and that yeah, this year that that number is more like in the six and a half to eight and a half million dollar range. I do think a bubble's coming. We're just not there yet, but. This is what I tell
3: people all the time. I know that this isn't what college football has been on the surface anyway. I mean, there there have been deals under the table since, I mean, a long, long time ago, since before I was born. This is what college football has been. But the, the
2: numbers are significantly higher. Of course yeah. they are. It's not really comparable. But what okay, I tell Whoever people... you think was cheating the most in the SEC. Like, I mean, that, that, different people will have different opinions on that. But whoever you think was cheating the most, they weren't spending anywhere close to $5 million in a single year.
3: Yeah, I mean, LSU's hospital nah, no charity fund got caught, what, what was it, 400 k That buys you a left tackle now. Uh, or might not even be a good one. But this is what I tell people. It, it, it's college sports now. It, and you love the helmet, you love your school, you love watching the games, right? And so this isn't changing. Toothpaste can't go back into this too. Players are going to get paid. Maybe they find a way to cap it, but I doubt it because you got anti. It's it's a mess, right? This is what it's going to be for a while, and so instead of just kind of, you know, whining about it and and having such a negative opinion, start embracing this conversation. I know it's an NFL thing. It's not supposed to be a college thing, but the the courtship of Derek Carr in hindsight his red zone production has been awful, but that was interesting. That was a Who fun thing as a that fan. fan. Jeez, that, that was, and you had a Saints team that was desperate for a quarterback, so they kind of overpaid a little bit, but that, that stuff can be fun for you as a fan if you just embrace it. Because it's not changing. And, and so, you, you know, getting on Twitter and talking about how much you hate, it, it's not going to change the fact that it's here. And so if you're a state fan and you don't like this, just, Try to remember that there's a quarterback out there that's a, that's going to join your team. And yeah, he's going to get paid to do it, but you're going to go get one. I don't know. There's a way as a fan that you can enjoy this without it bumming you out. You're You're getting to go shop for a quarterback. And that can be fun if you just have that mindset of, I can't wait to find out who's going to quarterback my team next year. That can be a fun thing as a fan to, to
2: do if you just ignore that this isn't what it used to be. I think as long as you're winning, people can act like they, it bothers them, but it doesn't really because people show up for wins. Um Ceasefire Text Line. You got some good comments on here. A, a suggestion that 8 to 10 million is the number. Uh, you're probably not far off. It might be a little high. Random, uh, r- Apropos, uh, I'm sorry, non sequitur. Russ and Tupelo says there's a shootout going on in Oxford. Football, football related. Biggersville 28, Velma Jackson 27. Six
5: seconds until I'm glad halftime. you cleared that up.
2: I, I, it just sounded bad when it came out. It's like, I didn't mean for it to sound like that. Football shootout at Vaught Hemingway Stadium. Biggersville 28, Velma Jackson 27, six seconds until half. That's the 1A championship game that's happening right now. Uh, let's see here. What are? Uh, but I've heard Ole Miss was around twelve to thirteen this past year. Twelve to thirteen million. Um, Ole Miss did not spend anywhere close to that much last year. And then he goes on to say, "Is Judkins worth ten percent of your team budget?" And that—that's the next layer. That's the the kind of stuff that
3: that people are going to have to figure out. Is. Where do you cap yourself? Because there is no salary cap, but you have a finite amount of funds. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I mean, the, the Growth Collective and the Bulldog Initiative only have so much money to spend, and they got to figure that out.
5: Judkins, now. Judkins as a running back, is not worth 10% of your salary cap. But Judkins to Ole Miss and the perception of being able to keep him. Is worth ten percent of their salary cap. If Judkins goes somewhere else, everybody's going to point to Ole Miss and go, "They let that guy get away." What are they going to do for you? They people will use it against them in recruiting. They have to keep on Judkins at basically any cost.
2: David says his, he thinks the number is ten million. Uh, Mike in Oxford says in baseball midweek relievers are getting twenty to thirty thousand dollars. Maybe some,
0: Maybe not some.
2: everywhere. Uh, spend more. Be get 98. Less. Put that on the entrance to Kyle Field. <laughs> um, somebody huh. says this has gotten crazy. Who has all of this discretionary income?
5: It's a reasonable that's what question. People are for it's not. It's not for person. It's for people.
2: Yeah. But
3: that that's the thing, right? Is even though the system is flawed, we talked about it yesterday. College football is too important to too many people to. For, for principles to set in, basically. If you think it's a. If you, I've heard from people that think that this is crazy that donate every single month to a collective because they want their football team to win because that matters to them so much. And as long as you have that emotion, you're going to get people to stop caring about their football team winning?
2: No chance, no if matter what they the say. If you have the emotion and you have wins to go along with it, maybe it is sustainable.
3: Showed up in boots And ruined your blind tie fair The last one to know The last one to show I was the last one You thought you'd see there And I saw the surprise And the fear in his eyes
2: When I took his glass I thought Bobby and in Batesville had a good text that came in on the Seaspire text line just a little while ago. He said, the thing is, when you have the J.J. Pegues and the Judkins-type players, to keep them gets much more expensive than to get them in the first place. That is true. That, that That's true. You're having to pay them more to keep them on your roster than you had to pay them to get them on your roster the first time around, in most cases. But here's the flip side of that, Bobby replacing them on your roster would likely be more expensive than what you're going to have to pay to keep them on your roster. So so let's use JJ Pegues as an example. If JJ Pegues goes onto the open NIL market as an SEC a productive SEC interior defensive lineman that can also give you a few snaps in some specialty short-yardage situations on the offensive side of the ball. There are absolutely teams that would pay him and pay him well to come in. One of the two of you, and it's been said a million times before, said just a few minutes ago, because defensive tackles don't exactly grow on trees, especially productive ones. Yeah. But here's the thing, Bobby. If you lose J.J. Pegues, now you've got to go find a defensive tackle in the transfer portal that can give you similar production to what you were getting, which means you are now competing in that same open market that whoever bought your guy was in, and you're likely going to have to pay an inflated amount because the competition is so severe for that position, as an example.
3: Yeah. I mean, and that applies to quarterbacks too. I mean, there there are quarterbacks that are leaving bad situations or whatever. It certainly does not appear at this point that Jackson Dart is intending on going anywhere. Again, as we talked about it it sounded like Lane jumped the gun on something that was known as opposed to uh jumped the gun and didn't tell the truth, but we, we will see. Um if what we believe to be true is true and he Sticks around at Ole Miss like everybody expects him to. He won't get two million plus, which is what he could have gotten had he gone. I mean, I mean seriously,
2: you've looked, I don't, Yeah, I don't know if he'd gotten that much, but I mean, if, if it, it's a
3: big number. If you look at the guys in the portal right now, who's better than him? He would be quarterback one of one in the transfer portal at least today. I mean, you might get other guys that jump in, but he would be. If you're Auburn, because Auburn's going to do this, I've got
2: Riley Leonard ahead of him. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know if I mean some people might. I, I don't know if
3: I would take Riley Leonard over. I think Dart's got more skill. Leonard's tough as can be, but I think Dart's
2: got more skill.
5: I let, would take Dart over Riley Leonard.
2: Yeah. What. I was thinking more from a national perception standpoint, but, uh, yeah, I mean, tomato, tomato.
5: I mean, State I mean, you're, state you're, needs a quarterback. If I could pick one, I would pick Dart over Leonard.
2: What about Will Howard? Where does he factor into that
5: conversation? He, he – he, not number one. I mean, he's not number one, obviously, but is it when I take him over Dart? I don't know. I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I think I would, but – it's really close. It's close. I made it, Dart. I think it, it didn't drop. Sorry, there we go. All right, you did good. You did good. You did good. I, as to say though, I don't. I, I think they're close. I think Dart might be a little bit more explosive with his legs. Um, but I, I, it's close. It's close for me.
2: What about KJ Jefferson? If he ends up in the portal, yeah, still Dart somebody said, do we know something do we know something that they don't no no, 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 and and we weren't suggesting otherwise. This is a very open I thought I qualified that statement
3: well enough yeah, with you, nobody you around old Miss expects it, him to go anywhere yeah, because he's not.
2: People are in and out and they're doing other things and they only hear parts and they're like, wait, what are they talking about? No, no, nobody's suggesting that Jackson darts leaving. They're not because he's he's not the the ideal the, the the conversation was if he were a quarterback that was in the transfer portal what would his worth be if you believe Matt Rule that a good quarterback out of the portal is $1, one and a half, two million
3: million? Yeah, he would be that guy. It and is. there are a
2: lot of people saying, oh, Jackson, no, we're not suggesting Jackson Dart's leaving. Nobody's suggesting that. But if he has a degree, he can transfer again. I don't know if he has a degree or not. I'm not
5: looking at the transcript.
3: I, I'm sorry I did that. I was just using an example of uh, what it, it, it's fine. What player retention can actually benefit between you between
5: you and that fake on three account saying that <laughs> Judkins was leaving. You're just getting all the Ole Miss fans riled up today. I
2: know. All right. How about this? Nobody seems to be rating the Georgia and Alabama rosters. It's because they win more and have more NIL money. It is an arms race that State and Ole Miss cannot compete with. It's a loser's game. For long-term success of our in-state programs, we need reform. When has
3: Ole Miss competed with Alabama on an annual basis?
5: Yeah, I want to know the answer to that. Because people always say it. They're like, oh, you can't compete with Alabama and Georgia. Okay, so that makes it different than 10 years ago. How? And Georgia and Alabama do How's
3: lose it? players on their roster.
2: They, they yeah. do. Georgia lost the defense. But they lose the guys. at Southern Cal this year.
5: They lose guys that they, they feel like they can live without. You're not going to see. Carson Beck's not going to leave. Right. Jalen Milrow's not going to leave.
3: But those are the two best programs in
2: America. I mean, yeah. come on. We got a question earlier also asking if uh, if coaches can contribute to NIL collectives. They cannot. As the rules are currently situated, no, they can't. If they could, and look, I don't know how many actually would do it, but if they could, it would kind of be an investment in themselves.
5: Well, not only that, you, it would it would create situations where your salary is seven million a year, but we're going to require you to donate two million of that a year, and so you end up with the university really paying at that point.
3: What should solve, or what would solve all of this? Because people are focused on the wrong thing. I, I know that the money and stuff is different. I understand that. That that's the wrong focus. Because I think Jackson Dart's—I mean, Jackson Dart's incredibly valuable to Ole Miss. Whatever he's going to get paid for the 2024 season, knock on wood, Ole Miss fancy stays healthy, won't be enough relative to his value to that team and their success. It won't be enough, and that's okay. It, some people are just—they they bring a whole lot of value to places, and, and he's going to be one of those guys. Who are you talking about, Jackson Dart? Yeah, yeah. Whatever, he's more valuable than whatever he's going to get for 2024. A third-year quarterback, a leader of a team, he'll get some off-season Heisman hype. Laugh, state fans, but he will. Uh, that, that that dude's more valuable than what the salary's going to be. That's fine. It's the ability on an annual basis to reset yourself. That's a problem. That That's the issue. It's not the money. It's the, I can leave any time twice a year, every year for four years. A player can enter the transfer portal in a four-year period eight times. That's the issue. Everybody's focused on money, and we're doing it again because it's portal time, and Matt Rule talked about quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes has a a half-a-billion-dollar contract. He is the most recognizable football player in the world. A Super Bowl-winning MVP quarterback has less power than Ole Miss's fourth-string wide receiver.
2: That's Larry, the issue. Larry and Mize asked a really interesting question. How much money would it take to build an Alabama or Georgia-like
5: roster? Whew.
2: That is a great question.
5: And, so it's, and it's a different price than what it cost Alabama or Georgia, right? Because those schools are Alabama and Georgia, and some players just want to play there.
2: In the way that you described a hometown discount earlier, yeah, you can get players, the
5: superstar discount here.
2: Almost like a, you know, national championship contender discount that's there. Exactly.
5: Um, it would cost Mississippi State or Ole Miss probably twice what Georgia, maybe even more than that. What Georgia and Alabama are spending?
2: Twenty-two million dollars. An average of a million bucks per position. That. Eighteen was what I was thinking. Um, but look. Let's use 10-win Ole Miss this season as an example. What was different between Ole Miss's roster and George's roster? Lines of scrimmage. There you go. That That's the answer to the question. So it would this, – this is not a, a dollar's answer for you. And it's actually a more complicated answer even than this. Because there's a chemistry piece that matters in this as well. Texas A&M has shown that you can't just go out and buy a bunch of five-star players and automatically get them to play well at a super high level and mesh and everybody buy in. You, you got to have everything, right? You got to have chemistry. You got to have buy-in. You got to have willingness to play hard. You got to have guys that love football, and you got to have great coaching to go along with all of that. And it's hard to get all of those things. So. How do you build a roster? What would it cost to build a roster that competes with Alabama and Georgia? One, you would have to do it for multiple years. It's not a one-year proposition. And two, you would have to have the ability to invest in skill position players and quarterback and invest heavily on the offensive and defensive lines.
1: Fuck Mississippi. Oh what is going- Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What
0: keeps the
2: planet Back to the Sports Talk uh, Mississippi streaming at Supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. All right, I like I was really, really fascinated by that question of what would it take? What would it cost you to build a roster comparable to the rosters that Alabama and Georgia have? and i'm not i'm not taking into account stars and i'm i'm just playing with really loose numbers here but i came up with assuming about a 10% inflation bump each year assuming the rules stay the way they are right now where you know it's just kind of wild west and go spend what you need to here's what here's what i came up with hey dad for the quarterback room you need a million and a half for the room. Running back room, you need a million and a half. Offensive line, roughly five million. That might be a touch high on the offensive line. And then another four million for your wide receiver slash tight end group. So that's on the offensive side. I think you need to spend six to eight million on your defensive line $2 million for your linebackers, and another $2 million for the secondary. So that's just very, very loose numbers. And again, I'm not saying you need this to compete. The question was, what would it cost to replicate Alabama or Georgia's roster at Ole Miss or Mississippi State? So taking into account what I said a second ago, it can't be a one-year thing, right? It's got to be a rolling process. you got to do this for three or four years in a row. So if you're at roughly $22 million this year, It'd go to 24, and then probably 27, and then 30, roughly. So again, just using really round numbers, $100 million over the course of four years. Just call it a rolling $25 million average over four years.
3: So not even half of what the SEC pays
2: the school. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like SEC's paying the school just for football. I know. I mean, that that money's got to go a lot of places. It does. But. I hear what you're saying. And and again, there's so much else. Like, could you do it for a lot less than that? Maybe not have a roster that looks like exactly the same, but be able to compete with those rosters for less money than that? If you're really smart and you've got really smart people, that are kind of running your program like it's a front office in baseball or basketball or football. Yeah, you could do it for less than that. But I mean, that's just that's just like fun with numbers. And look, I may be off on position group budgets. I may, but again, that's if 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 you said, "Hey, what is it going to cost me to replicate?" the roster that Georgia and Alabama are running out there. I mean 100 million over the course of That four seems
5: years. about right, yeah.
2: Somebody said wouldn't a cap fix all of this even if even the playing field?
5: Who's going yeah. to enforce it? And then we it? just go right, And then we just go right back to under the, the under the table. table stuff.
2: Yep. I mean I mean and, and there's yes, no way I mean, to it,
5: stop it. It Can is the purest form of capitalism we'll ever have. And for the, like,
2: there are lots of us that might say, we have a, a great deal of distaste for this. That's fine. But if your team's good, does it make you cheer any less? Yeah,
5: exactly. Heck Adam no. Smith would be a huge uh, college football fan.
2: Yeah.
3: And, but... The thing is, even if the team's bad, they fire a coach and the new guy comes in and let's raise some money. I mean, to, uh, imagine if Mississippi State had retained Zach Arnett. Would anybody be donating to the Bulldog Initiative? Heck no, right?
5: Jeff Levy's never coached. My co- birthday. Why?
3: Jeff Levy has Why? never coached a game as a head coach ever, let alone at Mississippi State. And guess what
2: state fans are doing right now? So Zach on the coast says instead of would Kirby Smart come to Ole Miss or State for twenty million dollars a year? He might, but he's still got to have the budget to go get players. Yeah. Now, now we need forty million. So, uh, so, so I missed this quote. Somebody said Ryan Day said two months ago twenty five million a year. Still won't beat Michigan nah. with it.
5: <laughs> but nah, not for Ohio State. They're not spending twenty five million. I, I don't, I don't buy that.
2: Didn't Ryan Day say like a year and a half ago he needed like thirteen million a year? He said twelve last year. Yeah. Okay.
5: Well, then he lost again to Michigan, and he was like, ah, double it up. Price of poker, is five stars. Going up.
2: Thanks for being with us. Fun show this afternoon. Borky and Haydad will have you tomorrow. I will be in lovely Brookings, South Dakota. I'll uh, I'll tell you all about the FCS playoff game when uh, when I get back on. Dress warm. Hope it'll be fun. Hey, it's actually not going to be bad. The high on Saturday is like 38. Don't forget to bring a towel. That is your kind of weather. Uh, Enjoy your Thursday night for Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night.